Have you ever wondered what it would be like if a NASA Habitat architect, yes, that's a real job, designed an RV? Well, they actually exist. And today we're talking with their founder, Garrett Finney of Taxa Outdoors. Taxa makes wonderful little trailers, and I think you're going to really love this. This is RV Miles. This winter, L.L. Bean wants to help you get outfitted for all that's out there with tips and advice for heading outdoors and exploring all the possibilities of the season. Finding time outside can feel tough in winter, but it's just steps away if you turn your backyard into a winter oasis. Add a fire pit to keep you warm, some winter games to keep you active, and some all-weather furniture and outdoor blankets for chilling out comfortably. Just because it's cold out, that doesn't mean you have to be cold. For more fun ideas, easy how-tos, and inspiring stories, visit llbean.com slash guide. Welcome to episode number 259 of RV Miles. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time travelers who have been crisscrossing North America on one epic road trip with our three boys since 2016. Here at RV Miles, we talk all things RV and outdoors, from industry news to travel destinations, our national parks, <laughs> and a whole lot more. I forgot what you say there. I wanted to try and put something about NASA in there, and my brain just didn't 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 work. Didn't work. I wasn't quick enough this time. <laughs> I wasn't. It failed. Well, we hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. For those who partake, we had a great time on the Vegas Strip. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We had so much food, so much good drinks, so many good times. Yeah. So we're uh, we're really excited to you know kick off the holiday season. Uh, as if you're watching, you can see our we've we've decked out the saber with, with a little bit of holiday cheer, and this is our favorite time of the year, to be sure. And we've got a lot planned uh, for the upcoming days, including visiting Disneyland for the very first time. I cannot wait. We are going during the holiday season. It is going to be decked out. We've never been. We're going with friends. We're going with other friends. There might be some family there. We're taking four real vacation days. Just FYI, I'm letting you know, sure. four real vacation days. And I'm, I, I'm so excited. I, I'm just, I'm so excited. <laughs> we're right. not taking the RV though. We should, we should say that we're not taking well, the RV. Right. We're going to stay in a hotel on site, but mm -hmm. we are, we are in the Palm Springs area for the next couple months. And uh, yeah, it's just a hop, skip and a jump over <laughs> to LA. And the happiest place on earth. So uh, we're excited about all that. But uh, today uh, we have, as I said, in the opening Garrett Finney from Taxa, uh, on the show, and uh, he's just a, a really great person. It's really exciting what they have going on over at Taxa. So I'm excited to share that interview with you. But before we get to that, I wanted to talk a little bit about how RVs are inspected by manufacturers once they're built on the line. Because Jayco just put a press release out that they are now inspecting 100% of the RVs that roll off their line. And if that sounds surprising to you, <laughs> that, that they don't, <laughs> that they haven't been up till, up till now, uh, welcome to the RV industry. <laughs> uh, the fact that a press release needed to go out to be like, we plan on checking all our work is 
quite amazing. But it, you know, it is rooted in in a bit of reality, in a bit of, um, uh, in some things that were actually beneficial to the RV mm-hmm. manufacturers for a long time. Essentially, the RV dealers were the last step in the production line. The RV dealers were the folks that would do what they call the PDI, the pre-delivery inspection. Uh, and in some less scrupulous RV dealers charge you for that PDI. Can't be world. <clears throat> and uh, the 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 challenge has always been for manufacturers is that a lot of the problems don't show up until that RV hits the road. Mm-hmm. And when that RV is delivered to a manufacturer, it has gone through a drive of some length to get there. And often some little problems arise. But RV dealers have been overtaxed in their service base dramatically in the last few years uh, with the rising number of people buying RVs. And that has become more and more problematic for them to not only get RVs in that, um, let's say, have been paid a little less attention to, Mm -hmm. but also now they have more work to do to them and they have more coming in. That's been a big problem. And Before the pandemic hit, before this big boom in RV sales happened, there was a bit of a focus beginning to happen among the RV industry on quality. And Jayco was one of them out there. Jayco was building these PDI facilities and was starting to move to having all of their units inspected. Now, I don't want I don't want to say that like. RV manufacturers aren't inspecting their units at all. Usually what it is, is they take random ones off the line Mm -hmm. and they go through them. And they may have uh, individual processes that they do to every single unit, even though they might not go through the entire thing. For for instance, it was really cool, I thought, when we went to Sabre and saw when they built our RV, one of the things that they do is they put a a fake door on the front of it uh, that's got a giant blower fan attached to it. And they pressurize the RV and then they go around every seam on the outside with soapy water and look for bubbles to form. And that way they can see where it hasn't been been sealed properly. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Um, some RV manufacturers have rain bays and, 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 and all sorts of stuff. Uh, but the overall PDI wasn't happening until the dealer process. And Jayco began this process only in 2019. And now they have officially gotten to 100%. And I think we're going to see more and more RV manufacturers moving to doing the pre-delivery inspection entirely on their own because the dealers really want it. And that's what's driving it. Some dealers have even been building their own PDI facilities in Indiana even if they're not located in Indiana <laughs> so that the so that the RV could be checked out there before it gets shipped to them right because a lot of times what happens is when they find something well guess what it has to be fixed and guess what the unit is no longer in Indiana so now it becomes yeah. a wait for the part or whatever it is or the wait to get into the base so that it can actually be done and i'm curious with Jayco, what this is going to do to their delivery time now on uh, the RVs. So they're going to go through this 100% PDI inspection. Now they're going to have to, they can't let those units go if they have an issue. So I wonder, and it makes sense and it's great that they're doing this. If that is going to make it a little bit harder to get some units on the lot now. Yeah. I I don't know. know, Perhaps, but then, but then when they get to that dealership, then that dealer 
theoretically doesn't have to do much with it. And that's that's a great thing. And that's right? a great thing. And then that also yeah. can mean that the buyer gets to just take their unit. Yeah. They don't have to wait now for that thing that was found. Yeah, there, there was Hopefully. A, there was other stuff that, that dealers all had to do all the time, like install batteries. Um, and there's less and less of that happening now, mm-hmm. too, because a lot of RVs are now coming from the manufacturer with a lithium battery on board uh, because they can do that now that they have these DC refrigerators. And it, it, it the, there's just a little bit of streamlining happening, right? They're also trying to improve, uh, which is something that they were trying to do pre-pandemic. Again, had to be put on the back burner. But a lot of manufacturers are trying to improve what they call repair event cycle time, R-E-C-T, which basically means once you have a problem, how long it takes for that problem to be fixed. Whether you're under warranty or not, you got to take that to a dealership. That dealer has to diagnose the problem. Then they have to order the parts and then the parts have to come in and all that sort of stuff. There is a big push in the RV industry to to speed that process up. I know like Forest River, uh, which has some 50 brands, they have gone through a process of using the same part numbers company-wide, which is was a big process for them to do in order to in order to help with that. A lot of the manufacturers have been building um, warehouses where they store parts in order to be able to ship them out quicker. And they're pre-authorizing dealers to do certain repairs so that you don't have to wait as long. And a lot of RV manufacturers are now allowing you to use mobile technicians under your warranty. Um, So I think there's, with this normalization that's happening in the RV industry, Sales are down dramatically from where they were in this 2021 high. I think we're going to see a return to a focus on, uh, seriously, them competing uh, on quality. I hope that all of this means that it becomes more RV consumer focused and that the consumer itself, the buyer, gets to receive units that are ready to be used, that they don't have issues with, and that the RV dealerships can then really focus on that RV customer providing support and service as needed. Because I think in all of this, that is what has always been missing is putting the RV consumer, the RV buyer first. And and that's got to happen because the buyer is getting way smarter Mm -hmm. than the RV manufacturers realize faster than they they realize the internet. Well, they're all uh, watching your news videos. (laughs) Sure. Great. (laughs) Uh, But the internet has opened up a whole lot of possibilities for them to learn more about the products that they're buying and it is it is moving away from a you just show up on the lot and pick one out that looks pretty um even if you're a first-time buyer now so that's that's exciting and i hope there's a lot more move towards that well hopefully a few more manufacturers will follow suit we'll see what happens in 2023 all right let's take a break and when we come back we're going to talk with garrett finney who's a manufacturer of a small boutique line of rvs that uh do a lot of just that We'll be right back. Be right back. Chances are you've seen them on the road. That's because Blue Ox designs and manufactures the best towing products in the industry. Just look around. You'll find them on highways and campgrounds and anywhere you find people traveling in the great outdoors. Award-winning tow bars, base plates, and brakes. A full line of weight distributing hitches. Adjustable ball mounts and a new line of fifth wheel hitches. With Blue Ox, towing doesn't have to be a drag. To learn more about how Blue Ox can make your travel adventures even more stress-free, visit blueox.com. 
This episode is supported by ParkWolf, the ultimate app for visiting U.S. national parks. With ParkWolf, you can view upcoming places and amenities as you drive through the park, locate the nearest gas, food, bathrooms, and pullover points. ParkWolf's wildlife maps show you the best times and places to see or avoid wildlife along with a feed of the latest wildlife sighting photos from the parks. ParkWolf even makes it possible for you to view your live location and direction on official park maps while staying up to date on current NPS alerts and advisories. ParkWolf keeps working even if you lose service. To learn more, download the ParkWolf app for iPhone free from the Apple App Store today. So I'm sure we're all familiar with the the traditional uh, folding camper trailer, the pop up. I think that was my first camping experience was in a in my aunt and uncle's pop up camping trailer, uh, uh, maybe 35 years ago or so, and that design is still available on the market. It's still the most popular design uh, for pop up camping trailers, and for a good reason. You know, I, I think people like these smaller uh foldable or with with uh with compartments that come out type of trailers because they can be towed by pretty much uh any vehicle with a little horsepower to it and they can fit in garages and they have all the things that you need in a small package but there's a lot of clunkiness that has uh, gone into rv design over the many years or or not gone into rv design and there are many reasons behind that. And uh, the folding pop-up camping trailer is still a, a, a great product out there. But there's there's a company out there uh, that set out to do that type of uh, experience a little bit better. This, this small trailer that you can fit into your garage uh, that has all the things that you need and that you can tow uh, pretty easily. And uh, it's founded by a NASA engineer, and not just any NASA engineer, one that was responsible for building habitats for astronauts. And his name is Garrett Finney, and he's our guest on the podcast today, and he's the founder of Taxa. Garrett, welcome to the show. Why, thank you. It's great to be here. I'm going to jump right in and, and correct something you just said. I am not an engineer. Sure. I'm an architect. I'm an architect. Architect. And uh, a space a space architect. Sure. What a, what, a, what, a, I, what a great thing to call yourself. How many people can call themselves a space ar- architect out there? <laughs> um, very few people. I think maybe less than 10 <laughs> or, or less than 20. Um, yeah, I make that distinction one because literally I'm trained as an architect and that explains part of what I've, what I've created. But uh, also that engineers are fantastic and brilliant and creative and send people to the moon and outer space. Um, but they aren't always thinking of the human first. So a uh, human-centered design and how people actually use and play and live inside small spaces, at least at least in the context we're talking about right now. You actually call your the spaces <clears throat> that you build habitats, which I think is an, a great distinction as well. Uh, so talk to us about what, uh, what led you to make that move from uh, building spaces for astronauts to building them for for earth dwellers uh, to get out into the middle of nowhere yeah it's it's sort of funny I never know how loud to say this but I, I grew up hating RVs and being a, a snotty backpacker in many ways um, in the in the Northeast um, 
and thought they were the big things I was stuck behind on on the highway. Um, but then, I, hey, I moved to Texas to become a space architect and I started having kids and I loved camping all my life. Um, and I kind of thought, hey, who's making comfortable camping machines? And uh, in some ways, the answer was, was no one, really. Um, I would say... By and large, the, the paradigm of the RV industry has been to make houses on wheels or apartment rooms on wheels. Um, and that's obviously great and exactly what a lot of people need. But there's some set of people that that's me, uh, at least in the, in the founding story, um, that wants uh, adventure equipment you sleep in or a comfortable camping machine. Um, so I came at it with my architect and space architect space station experience Um with a slightly different mindset of, or uh, of, in a NASA way, performance criteria. Um, but in, in a funny but straight up true way, it's like me with two kids under five in a new region of the country where there are tarantulas and scorpions and untold numbers of poisonous snakes that I didn't grow up with. So uh, I wanted a base camp uh, for my own comfort and security. Um, and I owned a four-cylinder Subaru Outback, and I had to store this thing in my garage. And I kind of assumed it, that it existed. Um, and over the past 10 years, you know, the growth of overlanding and the types of trailers overlanders want to need has kind of also joined this middle area that's somewhere between tent camping and an RV. Um, and where, you know, in a business plan way, I, I've created my business. Um, mm. So the the founding story was really me being afraid of tarantulas, I think, uh, <laughs> and and then you know philosophically, I have a strong feeling that there's a lot of people, again starting with me, that want to go out and tromp through the woods or the sands and get muddy and dirty, um, and it's all about you know how what what do you need that keeps you safe and secure that's small and efficient and uh, does all the things you want. Um, how, you know, what kind of habitat is that? So you're not setting out to, to make a vehicle that has, uh, that has pretty sconces and nice woodwork. You're, you're looking for function. Yeah. It's like a backpack you sleep in, in some ways. Um, you know, it's, it's more than that because the, the world of, you know, I don't know how slippery a slope it is or not, but there's the full-on house that may or may not be portable in the tiny home and the the larger RV world. And then there's like the, the small thing. Uh, and so that is conceived of as equipment. I often end up saying it's adventure equipment that you sleep in, or it's a straight up adventure vehicle because the point of people going out on an adventure for, for the demographic that that we're really interested in, um, is, you know, the thing, the thing you're doing, not necessarily where you're sleeping, you know, you want to sleep in a great place. That's not what I'm saying, but it's like, how far down a dirt road can I go? How long can I be off grid? Yeah. Can I take my family to Alaska and back? What can I bring with me? Am I a fisherman today, but I'm a father the next day. Um, how does that change how I pack or stow stuff in, in our habitats? Yeah, and it, it can be a, a an expensive proposition to to buy a, a motorhome. I think a lot of uh, a lot of people that get into um, into RVing in the first place, they're 
they their first idea is that they're going to buy a motorhome whether that's going to be a a, a large 40 foot class a or a small adventure camper van and then they start pricing <laughs> this stuff out and realize well they already have a vehicle or they have a vehicle that they can trade in for something that can tow something and those things that can be towed are a lot more flexible and then uh, again you have the ability to put it in your garage and use your vehicle uh, on a regular day basis as a as a father as somebody taking their kids to soccer right and i think Another aspect of that, and the reason that at least at the start of my company, we we build trailers at the moment, is that one of the great advantages of the trailer, in addition to what you said in terms of storing by design inside your garage, or at least allow that possibility, is that when you get to a national park, you have a base camp and you can be whoever you are in our demographic. You can be a parent who forgot to bring diapers and you can rush off with your tow vehicle and get that, or you can be whoever else you are and go out to dinner or go to a different trailhead, but your base camp is, is set up there. And it's always, it always makes me laugh when I follow van life things on Instagram, et cetera. And like, it's, it's beautiful and wonderful and sexy and attractive. And then it's like, Oh, but you see very few kids <laughs> in this, in this yeah, scenario. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> because you know, the, the motor home or even the van, you have to break camp if you want to go, have a, you know, go buy beer or diapers or go to a different trailhead. So it's, it's an interesting way that I start slicing up the, uh, what the definitions of comfortable camping and the advantages and disadvantages of a van versus a trailer. And, you know, they all have their demographics and desires. And I'm, I'm sure we'll come out with something motorized in the future. Um, but I started off with this, uh, the idea of like super flexibility and adjustability and that you don't do the same thing every day. So you built the, uh, the first uh, taxa cricket back in, in 2014. Um, so talk to us about like uh, what the design process actually was of, of building your first travel trailer. You want to hear about the first prototypes that then I yeah. constructively broke, or do you want to hear about, uh, <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of field engineering that went into our early, early products. No, I, I think two, a, a number of things. I think designing for people in small spaces that the, the choreography of them and how you go in and out the door and what you're carrying with you and how you move in the space and how you put on your clothes or go to sleep. Um, that the smaller the spaces, the more critical an inch here or two is, you know, if you're an architect, you're used to thinking of a minimum dimension being 36 inches and which is the width that a wheelchair needs to go through a doorway. Um, but in a, a boat or an RV or a habitat, it can be really critical, the difference between 19 inches and 21 inches in terms of banging your hip into something over and over again, or being able to bend over and change a fuse or pick something up off the ground. Um, and that means, which I learned at NASA, that you want to build full scale as soon as possible. And so for me, that means two by fours and cardboard and sharp knives and screws. Uh, and then, you know, forcing your then much smaller company to have meetings, meetings inside your mock-up um, and putting the coffee machine there and say, oh, this space is much different with four people in it than two people. And uh, being really cognizant of that. So we build full scale as soon as we can to check out dimensions and we make 
big people and small people and kids and uh, senior citizens run in and out of them and and try to to sort of forecast or think about every scenario. What's it like in the morning? What's a small space like in the morning and at night and uh, during dinner time and if it's raining and uh, how do you how do you design uh, a small space, a piece of equipment that contains people? that accommodates all these things that uh, the muddy boots and the muddy dogs, the changing of a diaper um, uh, when you're 20 miles down a dirt road. Um, it's, it's fun. And like the NASA impact is really that while our, our habitats are quite distinctive looking, they're distinctive looking usually for very practical purposes. So we have, what appear to be holes all over the inside of our structure, but really they're places you can attach carabiners or bungee nets and start uh, sort of hacking your habitat to suit your lifestyle. So you can put a bungee net right over your kid's bunk and have their teddy bear staring them in the face all night. Or if you don't have kids, you could put your fishing rod strapped to the ceiling, right? Where you can reach in the doorway and grab it. Things like that. Um, I, so it's it's fun. I, I I'm sure that the majority of RV owners listening uh, are uh, are aware of how uncommon the the design process you're describing is, and and how how so many of the RVs that are are designed for us are are designed to sell. They're designed to look good on a a dealer lot, and uh, I sometimes call them. Uh, my background is in the theater industry, and they're they're built literally like theater sets um in 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 both in more ways than one in in that uh often they're they're meant to just look good for a short amount of time uh basically for you to to buy them and maybe get past your one-year warranty uh so the the idea that you're watching people go in and out of them and use them and 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 making corrections based on the way a person interacts with the space uh, is great. And I, I, I really wish there was a whole lot more of that in the RV industry. Obviously it, uh, obviously it costs a little bit more. Obviously your, your, your product is a premium product and, uh, and, and it shows. Uh, but I think, I think your way of thinking is, is going to be more interesting to more people going forward. I think the RV industry doesn't realize how smart we all are now and how, how much we have all, uh, how much we all research these things before we buy them. Now the, the depths of information available on the internet about them and seeing people use them on YouTube videos and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I think functionality and longevity, uh, are, are finally gonna, uh, have a fighting chance of, of winning out going forward. Well, I will of course agree with everything you just said. Um, and that's, that's my bias. You know, I think, well, one of the things I was shocked about when I first looked at the industry was that it, they, you know, it may or may not be a great product, but it, it seemed to not be designed to recognize that if you're in an RV, whether it's a motorhome or a van or a travel trailer, like most often you're at a campsite that has a very specific site like your campfire and your picnic table and your friends or spouse or kids have a very specific relationship to the, to one side of your 
trailer habitat. Um, and that most RVs don't particularly have, aren't laid out to address that. You know, the, the big window could be anywhere um, as opposed to, you know, always looking at where your family is and where you're going to shout at your friends or pass some food out the window or the door. Um, so that was really important to me. And that's the, the architect in me. Um, and then I, I agree with, you know, uh, I don't know how the business I started, we, we are so interested in talking to our customer and developing a community, but that's because, um, you know, what we're doing is not generic in, in any way. People have really specific, but, but also common needs and expectations about use and quality. And, uh, I think it's, it's easier for people to know how to use a house on wheels RV. I mean, we can talk about that at great length and tanks and fuses and stuff like that, but because it looks like something they're familiar with, um, there's less explanation about needed about how to move in and occupy it. Our, our habitats, they really, you know, they're to some people, they're strangely bare or because we've thought about a, a system of storing stuff and it's not that you have to hide it. It's that this is the stuff you're using. Um, so whereas an RV might provide a closet, we provide a place to th throw your duffel bags or whereas a, and I'm just talking mindset. I'm not like pros and cons. There are different types of people who like houses on wheels and our stuff. Um, but instead of, for instance, a kitchen cabinet with drawers for your silverware, we have a, a storage tower with uh, plastic crates because most of our customers, if they can cook outside, they want to take their kitchen outside or all their pots and pans or all their spices all at once. And how do we anticipate that and make it easy for them to use their equipment the way they want to. And by they, I mean, again, the, the 20 year old, the 70 year old, the three year old, when is it a tree house? When is it a, a relaxing uh, lounge after a long day's hike? Well, you know, we, so we live in a, a 43 foot fifth wheel uh, behind uh -huh. me right now. And, and we love it. We absolutely love it. It's our, it's, it's our home. And uh, it, it, when you're that size, it maybe it's not as important to, to, um, to think about all of these uh, small pieces that that uh, that interact, like you said, the choreography of how you use this space because we have so much room. Uh, but there are many limitations to that. We can't take this thing everywhere we want to take it, <laughs> um, and that that's you know that's often a problem. So I so I would imagine you know so the the smaller you get, the more important it is to to think very critically about how everything works and functions together and and you all have built uh several products now uh that that do just that so why don't you walk us through uh the lineup of what what taxa offers now i can do that um yeah and uh, again to address what you just said it's you know if i was living full-time in something i probably wouldn't be in one of my habitats but if i want to drive you know three or 60 miles down a dirt road i do want to be in one of our habitats because we're great at being off the grid and we're small and can handle the windy roads and turning around if a road is washed out and stuff like that. Um, but Taxa has four habitats. They range in size. Um, they're all named after insects in an outdoorsy way. Uh, 
So they range in size from a uh, sort of optimized field kitchen with a rooftop tent plus carrying four mountain bikes called a woolly bear um, to a tiger moth, which is kind of our version of a teardrop trailer. So a, a double bed inside a cabin with an outside kitchen. But the tiger moth, you can throw open two walls. So on a rainy day, you're really on a porch, a screened porch, uh, and you can sit comfortably all day. And uh, again, we expect you to have muddy boots and to have some kayaks or some bikes on the roof, uh, that kind of thing. The cricket is the next biggest, and that's where you, we start providing more systems in terms of hot and cold water and a furnace and an exterior shower and a spot for a porta potty inside. Um, and then the mantis is our largest at 19 feet, um, where we, you know, originally assumed that was two adults and two teenage kids. Um, but people, sometimes two adults want that space because they, they need that. Uh, and sometimes, sort of to my surprise, uh, couples with three or four kids get this and they put a rooftop tent on the back and that makes the most excellent treehouse fort for some of their kids. And uh, the whole thing becomes a crazy camping jungle gym living experience habitat, which makes me really happy to see uh, people climbing on top of this thing and around this thing and inside this thing. It's really fun. I think that must be how I was as a kid and probably secretly how I am a bit as an adult thinking about, you know, what is, how do you play outside and how do I design equipment that lets families or couples uh, play outside, uh, adventure outside, whatever the word is. Um, and I, I think that I lean on the word equipment a lot recently um, and adventure because, you know, if people who buy our habitats are going somewhere to do something, you know, they want to see a elk in the wild or they uh, are going fishing or they're running their kids ragged on a weekend so that, so that everyone stays sane. Um, and that's totally different than the mindset of a fifth wheel owner, which is generally about living full time or going on extended trips. And, you know, I would want more space too. I, I'm sure I have lots of critical architects design things to say about fifth wheels, but, but I haven't grown my company that big yet. <laughs> well, I would love to see what, what a taxa fifth wheel would look like. And, uh, and what, what insect it's named after. Yeah. Yes. Yes. A, a giant insect. <laughs> Mothra. Um, yeah. We are the folks we are traveling. We've been traveling with a family for several months now, and we're, we're going to be with them for several more. Uh, they are full timers as, as we are. And they started off full time in, in a mantis, uh, by accident. Uh, they had, a, they bought a mantis for camping and, and sort of did some extended travels and loved it. And they've got, they've got, uh, it's a couple with two daughters, um, and they were pretty successful in, in being able to, to accomplish that. And, uh, uh, they've now, they've now gone to something a little bit bigger. They're in a, a, a 30 foot trailer, but, uh, mm -hmm. but you know, they've, they've, they really have us thinking about going smaller again, even as people that are uh, traveling in something big. Uh, I don't know that we could go into something as small as, as a, a mantis, but I've got three, three boys, uh, that are, uh, one's, uh, one's my, my size <laughs> and the, and my, my middle child is about to be a teenager. So, you know, it, it, it I think though that there there are so many benefits to going small. Um, my point was behind that, 
And uh, after traveling for so long, we've been six years on the road uh, traveling in fairly large RVs. We're excited about the idea of of figuring out a way to do something smaller so that we can get out more. The 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 camping industry for uh, I, I think it's a fantastic thing. There are a lot more people camping now than there ever have been before, and it's not going away. You know, the pandemic brought on a lot of it, but but I think it. it had a lot of people investing into it and a lot of people trying it out for the first time. So there, the campgrounds are, the campgrounds are fairly busy and uh, a lot of money is going into campgrounds, but a lot of that money is, is going into just making them fancier instead of, instead of building more campsites. So the idea right. of being able to get out and we do a bit of that. We do a bit of getting out on uh boondocking on Bureau of land management land and stuff in, in our, fifth wheel but like you said being able to go 30 miles down a dirt road is not something that that's that's so feasible for us so uh i i think it's something that more people ought to consider and this uh, to be honest it is something that we are very seriously considering as a as a full-time family of five even so <laughs> well that's that's cool you know i have uh for my designers and for the company i have various design principles written down um in case I get run over by a bus or something. But one of, one of the main ones is as small as it can be and as big as it needs to be. And then that means in a general life way, I'm interested in, in efficiency and not overdoing things. But I think the sort of lean aspect of that is that it opens up, um, you know, in a literal way for you, if you were to downsize even 10 feet, uh, you know, there are just more roads you could go on, more places you can be. Um and then the designer in me points out that, you know, when I say as big as it needs to be, that doesn't always mean like square feet or cubic volume. That means that the window is in the right place and you're getting the right, uh, you know, airflow and right view when you are inside. Um, it doesn't mean, you know, for instance, in a house, you know, that you need a dining room that's separate from your kitchen. It means that you want to be able to hang out and be totally comfortable but my company and I am interested in the, the efficient and small, small end of that um, with, again, with the windows in the right place and the views of the right thing and the way to let nature in and keep it out if that means it's a, a driving rainstorm or, or a mouse, things like well, that. <laughs> well, I have been uh, such a fan of Taxa ever since uh, you all launched. It was such a breath of fresh air. Uh, and I, I love every time I see one on the road. And I think uh, if people are out there looking uh, for something small, uh, please check out Taxa. They're, they're a really interesting option. Garrett, thanks so much for joining us. Please tell us uh, where folks can find more information about Taxa. We would love that. And first, thanks for having me. It's always fun to talk about our take on the market and our take on camping. Uh, yeah, people should visit us at taxaoutdoors.com for our website. And we have people here, of course, eager to talk to you and explain how we think of comfortable camping and your adventure. Uh, and follow us on Instagram, Taxa Outdoors, all the standard places. We would love to talk to you. On every road trip, there are moments you wish could last forever. Your kids running into the ocean for the first time, that perfect campsite with views that amaze and surprise with every sunrise and sunset. Moments you spent time planning and you wish would never end. 
But like all good adventures, they do. But you know what doesn't have to end? Your Road Pass Pro membership you use to plan that memory-making vacation. Grab your Road Pass Pro membership today and lock in the $49.99 price for life. This is the last price lock Road Pass will ever feature, so get it now before it's gone. Road Pass Pro has some of our favorite trip planning sites like Campendium and Road Trippers and the Togo RV app. Now, normally I tell you to use RV Miles 10X to get $10 off, but starting November 23rd, 2022, you can use code RVMILES25X, that's all one word, to get $25 off. That's 50% off the current $49.99 price. The folks at RoadPass have extended this offer exclusively to our RV Miles community, and it ends on December 8th. 2022. Save $25 now through December 8th with code RVMILES25X and lock in that price for life. That's RVMILES25X to get $25 off your RoadPass Pro membership. Welcome back to the show and a very, very big thanks to Garrett Finney for giving some time to the RV Miles podcast and sitting down with Jason. Uh, I absolutely love those little boutique taxes. They are adorable. How cool is it that a NASA astronaut habitat <laughs> architect is is out there building RVs? I just I just want to be in the room when they came up with that name, like that job position. And they're like, we have to call it this. I just that is so cool. So all right, our thanks again to Garrett. And it is now time to check the level of our tanks. Jason, what is in your black tank this week? Uh, be careful who you rent your RV to. If you are somebody who plans to rent your RV out, a lot of people are doing it. A lot of people are making a lot of money off of doing it. But I highly, highly recommend you use somebody like Outdoorsy or RV Share, where there is some level of built-in insurance and background checks and that sort of stuff that really helps make the process go smoother. There's a story out of Canada where a couple rented their RV out to somebody called the QAnon Queen of Canada. Stop, stop it. <laughs> and they didn't realize it until she showed up uh, with her bus that had her picture blazoned on the on the side of it. And apparently what she's been doing is traveling around Canada uh, since January in an RV caravan. Mm -hmm. And this RV was rented and became part of the caravan. And what what ended up happening to this couple is they they didn't know really much about this person, but they started following her online <laughs> after she rented the RV and figured out some of the stuff that was going on. And uh, eventually, the uh, their the payments stopped coming in. They were oh. renting it for months and months, oh. right? So they weren't able to get in contact with them or anything. And all of a sudden, they get a text message. That says their RV has been dropped off at a gas station that was like 120, I guess, kilometers away from their home, and that they they should go pick it up there. They thankfully had a spare key because they didn't know that the they had taped a spare key the keys they had underneath it, and the RV was totally trashed out. They left all was. the food in it, and uh, and it was a, a mess. And and they had uh, they had busted up the suspension that the it was leaning to one side. <gasps> So if you're going to rent your RV out, please be careful about how you go about the process. These folks used Facebook Marketplace. 
I highly suggest you use something else. Outdoorsy, outdoorsy, great. They have, they they allow you to see reviews of people. They allow you, you know, pick them and, you know, vet them a little bit. And uh, uh, and the insurance is built in, and they are quick at covering any issues. So I think that's a. Uh, that's the way to go. Mm. <laughs> so much to unpack there. All right. What is, <laughs> what is in your fresh tank? All right. My fresh tank is, uh, you know, we're spending Christmas away from family uh, for the first time in, in many years, which is there. It's sad, but it's also nice to be in warm weather, <laughs> although it hasn't been that warm where we are right now. Uh, but we don't have any of our Christmas stuff with us. Mm-hmm. Um, we have been keeping that in our storage unit. So we have been able to sort of do a more natural Christmas. Uh, and we have decorated with real greenery. And the kids uh, are working with Abby to make like handmade ornaments and things. And I think that is a lot of fun. Abby dried out a whole bunch of orange slices and just going to do more of that sort of stuff. Um, And I think that that's a really cool way to do a, an RV Christmas because it's, you know, it's, it's all disposable at the end. It's all uh, compostable, recyclable, all that sort of stuff. We even have a real tree. It's very little, but we have a real tree. It's little. It's our Charlie Brown tree. We call it Chuck, actually. We named it as soon as we found it. It was wonderful. I couldn't agree with you more. When I realized that we weren't going to have all of our decorations that, you know, we've had for years and even for generations, I did not want to go out and buy all new stuff. I felt like that that was really wasteful. And of course, I didn't want to be carrying it around with us or just donating it. And so I thought that, you know, it would just be really nice if we put our own sort of uh, stamp on decorating our home. And this is something when we lived in Chicago that I used to do a lot with the boys when they were little as well. Like, I know you can't see it here on the video or in the audio version, but one of our windows, we've cut out paper snowflakes and we've decorated that way. And, you know, like you said, I've dried out some fruit and we're going to make popcorn and cranberry garland and just things that, you know, we can do together that really help make this feel, uh, festive and and like home because um, this really is in our kids' entire lives only the second time they haven't been with their grandparents for Christmas. And actually, it's the first time Henry's ever not been with family for Christmas. So we really want to make sure that uh, we take the time to appreciate that we can do this and all the wonderful things that we are getting to do. We we will get to see family. Like my brother, yeah, Yeah, just different family. I have my brother in LA and we're going to get to spend Christmas with them, which we have actually never been able to do. So that's really special. Our, our family friends, like we're all going to be together. It'll be really, really lovely. So what's in your black tank this week? (sighs) So my black tank, I've talked about this before, but Last night was particularly uh, miserable. It's, it's the worst it's ever been. It's it is probably well. I would say that Henry's Lake was the worst it's ever okay. been outside okay. when we were in Yellowstone back in uh, Labor Day of 2020. That's because those wind gusts, we're about to talk about the wind. That's because that windstorm that came through, I think, was hitting us at about 70 miles an hour. We've been dry camping at a BLM campground, the Red Rock Canyon campground. And last night, uh, starting about, I would say, really around 10 o'clock bedtime, of course, 
a windstorm came in and it was, uh, it lasted until four and we hit wind gusts of about 55 miles an hour coming down out of the mountains, down into the canyon here. And um, it was pretty beep-a-beep-beep yeah. awful. I, I think part of it, too, is it wasn't as bad in this RV as it was in when we were in Henry's Lake. We were in yeah. the, the Pioneer, and, um, and yeah. I think that one got shook a little bit more than this one but we still shook a lot and yeah. I, I was up most of the night i know you were yes. uh you know pales in comparison to the many many tent campers oh. who are in this campground and had yeah. to experience that i'm sure it was really rough for them rv camping is uh, we're the minority actually here at this campground there are a ton of tent campers and i know that last night unfortunately there were a couple of them that their tents were just falling apart. I mean, when I say like a windstorm, it wasn't just, you know, an occasional wind gust coming in. It was just nonstop for six hours. And it would vary in its degree of strength, but it was never, I mean, I think, you know, the lowest it was, it was like 28 miles an hour. And then it was, you know, gusting all the way up to 55. And it was just, I think too, for us, it was just hitting us not quite broadside, but just on the driver's side enough that it wasn't going up and over us. And I think if it had been, been coming face on, we would have been fine. But it was just hitting us at enough of an angle that we were just rocked. And it was so loud. I mean, that was the thing, too. And, it, and that is that can be really overwhelming, that just constant nonstop just it was, at, at you. It, starting at like 2 in the morning, it would begin to like die down and it would stop. And I would start to fall asleep thinking yeah. it was over. And then it would come back yeah. <laughs> stronger than I, it ever was, right? And I, um, <laughs> you know, we we didn't, we go to bed at night. We don't keep the inverter on just to conserve our battery power. And so here at this campground, there is no service unless we have Starlink. And so amazingly, last night, I was able to pull up just one bar of LTE and I got my AirPods on and I put, you know, noise canceling on, which actually really did drown out the sound. It did not stop the movement of the RV, but it did get rid of the sound. And Netflix just graciously worked. And I <laughs> I put on like Sugar Rush or something, Christmas edition, and I just let that play. I just kind of slept through and came in and out, but I just let that be the sound I was hearing because... I couldn't, I just, I just couldn't. And we had kids kind of coming in and out too, because it was very loud, like up in the loft as well. I mean, it was just, it was a long night and we are very, very tired. But again, we're safe and all of our stuff is safe. And it does look like everyone else in the campground stayed safe. But if we're exhausted, I can only imagine how the tent campers and those teeny tiny little RVs and actually... Those tiny RVs, I was concerned. Yeah. Because a, a lot of them down there are get, were getting hit last night broadside. And I, I was very concerned that they would not stay upright. <laughs> so. All right. What's in your fresh tank? So my fresh tank is uh, a movie I want to recommend. Uh, 
Jack and I went to see it over the holiday weekend. Uh, it's the second edition of the uh, Knives Out series by Ryan Johnson. Um, and if you're not familiar with this movie, this is uh, the first one was uh, Knives Out. It has Daniel Craig in it, Jamie Lee Curtis, Don Johnson. And it's just this uh, really kind of quirky murder mystery where Daniel Craig plays this very Southern detective. Uh, Jack loves this film. He loves Rain Johnson as a director. Uh, and so he was really, really psyched for the second one to come out. It's called Knives Out, Glass Onion. Uh, so we went and I didn't, I was looking forward to it. I really enjoyed the first one. I did not expect to like a sequel more than I liked the first. And I absolutely, I friggin' loved this movie. It is so funny and quirky and smart and unexpected. And the cast is fantastic. Leslie Odom Jr. is in it. You know, I mean, love him. Uh, Edward Norton, uh, Kate Hudson. I mean, it's just, it's a fantastic cast. And so if you want to go and just have a good time at the theater and just kind of be immersed in just absolute, I don't want to give anything away. It just go see it. If you're looking to go to the theater, go see it. It's a great movie. I recommend it. I think you can also get it streaming already as well. Can you? Um, yeah. I'm not sure because I thought right now it was, maybe you can. I think you should go see it in the theater. If you, the theater. Yeah, if well, you have so the opportunity, go see it in the theater. We also went to see Wakanda Forever the other night. We did. In, in the theaters. And that's one you definitely want to see in the theater. Yeah, theaters. you got to go to the theater to see that. Also a blast and really Pretty I know. moving. I couldn't fresh tank it though. No, I couldn't. I really enjoyed it, but I couldn't fresh tank it for what I've because of I feel like it. It just was drawing too many. I don't want to give anything away. Yeah, okay. But it was drawing too many similarities to something else that's uh, coming out soon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but it's a good movie. I mean, we love Marvel, and it's really moving and uh, really powerful. Uh, but when you see it, you will understand what I'm talking about. And it's just kind of unfortunate, I think, in some respects, that it gets overshadowed by that because the I think it's just a timing. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, someone was like, "We got to get this one out before," you know. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not thrilled for this other one that's coming out. So, like, whatever. But. All there, right. you <laughs> there you go. That's it for this week's <laughs> so episode <big. laughs> of the RV Miles podcast. Yes, it is. And hey, just a reminder, if you're doing your holiday shopping over on Amazon, please consider taking RV Miles with you. You just start at amazon.com slash shop slash RV Miles. And anything you purchase over there, Amazon will give us a kickback. It costs absolutely nothing to you, but it does help support RV Miles and we appreciate it. If you are enjoying this podcast, please consider going over to Apple Podcasts and leaving a five-star review. It is truly helping put RV Miles in front of a whole new generation of listeners. And if you are watching this on YouTube, please don't forget to click that like button and do consider sharing it with your friends and family across social media. All right, that is it. Thank you so much for watching. Stay warm, stay healthy, and keep logging those RV Miles. Bye, everybody. Bye. 